Well, once again, welcome to Potter's House. Um, some weeks, um, as I prepare for this sermon, there is a great illustration that just hits me um, that I can start the sermon with. And some of you might be saying, well, I haven't heard any of those yet. But to me, they're great illustrations to start a sermon with. Um, but uh, today, none hit me. And so I thought, well, hmm, where should we start? And then a novel idea hit me. Well, maybe we should just start with reading the scripture. Um, and so this morning, uh, we're in Luke chapter 9. And uh, what we do here at Potter's House is we work systematically through the scriptures. Um, and what this does is it uh, keeps me from skipping over stuff that might be hard to teach um, or just skipping to the stuff that I want to get to. Um, and so it lets us look at all of what the Bible says um, in the full counsel of God's word. And so uh, we're in Luke chapter 9 this morning, and I'll be starting in verse 10. And, uh, and it says this, On their return, the apostle told... T- easy for you to say. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provision. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men, not listed, also women and children there. And he said to to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up in twelve baskets of broken pieces. Let's pray. Dear God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you are a miracle-working God. Um, that you can meet even uh, the most, most basic of our human needs in our hunger, and you can provide for us in that. And Lord, we thank you for that, and we thank you that you're sufficient. Let us learn this morning from your word. Let us learn the things that we need to this morning. Speak to each of us in our lives, um, where we are in our walk with you, and what this truth and this passage means for us. We pray all this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So my first question for you this morning is, where did this crowd come from? Right? 5,000 men plus women and children. So easily probably 15,000 people there, if each guy has a wife and a kid with him. Um, And uh, this was before birth control, and so most people had more than one kid, all right? Um, And so, so yeah, so this huge crowd coming after Jesus, where did they all come from? This is probably the largest crowd we ever see in Scripture following Jesus at one time. And to answer that question, uh, this is a passage, uh, this this account is the one miracle that Jesus did that's recorded in all four Gospels. Um, And so I was joking with Kevin this morning that I'm like, I'm preaching on a very um, little known passage um, about a story that nobody's heard about Jesus before. And some of us might not have heard it before, but it is. It's included in in all four Gospels. 
Um, and so all four of the gospel writers thought this was an important story to include in their account of Jesus' life. And so that's a pretty big deal. Um, it's the only one of the miracles that is in all four, um, except for the death, burial, and resurrection, but, um, but of, of the little miracles, not the huge miracle. Um, and so where did all of these people come from that are following Jesus at this moment? Well, Luke really gives us the key to understanding that by looking at it in context here. What just happened that we talked about last week? Last week we saw where Jesus, for the first time, he takes the twelve and he sends them all out on their own preaching the gospel. And he gave them the power and the authority um, to heal people and to drive out demons. The things that he's been doing in his ministry, um, the things that around it... uh, um, they give validity to his message, right? So that's where we see the healings. That's where we see the miracles like this. It is by doing these things, Jesus is saying, he's showing people, not only can you hear what I say, but you can see that it's true by the, the power that I have. And he did that with the 12 disciples. They all went out. And now they have just come back together. And that's what it says there, excuse me, in verse 10. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. So they come back and they're like, Jesus, you won't believe what just happened. And he's like, well, actually I would. But, you know, they're, they're like really excited. Well, you can only imagine that as they went and they're doing these miraculous things everywhere, that the people that they're doing them among are going to say, hmm, I want to check this out further. I want to see what this is all about. And so they follow these guys back. Um, and so uh, we went from just Jesus doing ministry to now 13 men um, doing this ministry. And then these 13 men all come back together, and the crowds that were following all of them are brought back to Jesus. And that's our job as Christians. Those of us who are believers in Christ, uh, we covered this last week, that he gave us the great commission for us to go out and for us to spread that good news, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he promised that he was going to be with us as we did that. And all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. And so we have that promise and that assurance from him. And so just like these 12 went out and then 5,000 men plus their extras came back with them. The same is true for when we are living on mission for Jesus as well. As we go out and as we do what Jesus has called us to do, there's going to be a growing crowd that wants to check this thing out, that they want to examine this Jesus that we're talking about. As we are faithful in doing what he has, 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 has told us to do, amazing things will happen. They might not all come to faith. They might not all come to know the Lord, but they'll at least, at least know about him. They'll at least be checking it out. And that's what we're called to as Christians. That's why a group from Georgia would give of their time and their money to come up here to, to try to help us out um, with letting people know in our community about Jesus. That's why we're going to go down to Penticton and help, help out a, a church plant down there with uh, building relationships in their community so that they can point people to Jesus. Um, that's why we do it, um, is because the more of us who are out there um, accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish, the more are people that are going to be drawn in. Um, yes, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. Yes, God is the one that, that does the work of salvation, but he does it through us. And he does it through um, the work that he's called us to do. 
And so, when we all live on mission for Jesus, the results are people checking him out. That's what's going to happen. They might not decide affirmative, but they're at least going to be checking him out. And that's why we were passing out things at the parade yesterday. Because we want, we want to invite people to come check out Jesus. You know? Come, come to church. You know, this is, a, if, this is a very non-threatening place. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we are so glad that you're here. And we, we just invite you to come and listen. Come and hear God's word. Hear what it is that we say about Jesus. Um, and so, uh, and we want to invite more people to hear that too. But also as we go, we want to proclaim that outside of these walls too. In our personal um, conversations, in our personal relationships, we want to make him known. Um, that's why we're doing a kids camp. It's because we want to connect with more families, uh, more kids in our community so that they can hear the gospel, so they can hear the good news and the excitement um, about Jesus Christ. And so, so first, that's where the crowd came from. Um, but then uh, there's this kind of a need that pops up, right? So the disciples are sitting here, and they're watching the sun going down, going across the sky. They probably start to feel their own tummies starting to rumble a little bit. And they're like, um, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, uh, but a lot of people here, okay? A lot, a lot of people here. Um, and people get hungry and we don't have any food. And in fact, probably as many as four of the disciples were actually from this area. And so they probably were even saying, there's nowhere around here to even get food for this many people. Um, It's like a long way away that we'd have to go to get enough food for this many people, and it costs a lot of money. So um, the very practical wisdom side of the disciples is coming out, and they're saying, Uh, Jesus, we just need to call it quits for today and let people go find something to eat because uh, we don't don't want to be responsible for this mass starvation or something, okay? Uh, Well, Jesus, and what's Jesus' response? Jesus' response is, you feed them. Well, what did the disciples just done? They had just gone out healing. They had gone out driving out demons. They came back so excited. Jesus, you won't believe what just happened. And, uh, and so then Jesus just tells them, hey, you do another miracle here. And they're like, what? No. Um, all we have is five loaves and two fish. And so Jesus takes this as another opportunity to show them uh, the fact that anything is possible with him. You see, when he sent them out in this la- the passage we looked at last week, that was the passage where he told them not to take anything with them. Um, later on, he tells them to take stuff with them, to be prepared as they go. But for the first time he sent them out, he said, don't take anything. And he was teaching them dependence on God and the fact that God would meet their needs. And this miracle he does right after he gets back just really drives that point home of the fact of whatever our needs are, God is fully capable and willing to meet that need. And so there's two main things that I want us to get from the passage today. The first is the importance of dependence on God. It is critical that we depend on God um, for meeting our needs. Uh, And so we saw this uh, last week, but looking at this and, you know, the very practical wisdom side of us and the disciples says there's no way to feed 5,000 people, much less if there's actually 15,000 people. 
with five loaves and two fish. That's not possible. You know, everybody get a fraction of a crumb. That doesn't work. The math doesn't work out. But Jesus says, with me, all things are possible. He says, you want to get practical? Okay, we can be practical. Um, Let's do it this way. You divide the people up into groups of 50, okay? There's a practical thing you can go do. And then I'm going to do the miracle over here, and you will see how good that works out. And so he does. And he feeds all of these people. He meets their physical need. He fills their stomach. Everyone ate till they were full. And then just as to really drive the point home for his disciples, how many disciples were there? It's not a trick question. Twelve. How many basketfuls were left over? Twelve. The disciples who said, this is impossible. We can't feed them. Jesus said, well, we fed everybody and you each have a basket left over. I imagine that basket was probably more than they could even eat. And that's how powerful Jesus is and how much he can meet our needs and how much he can take care of us. Which leads to the second thing. And there is, it really isn't a question for us when we're following Jesus of whether, um, whether we listen to practical wisdom or whether we have faith in God. A lot of people want to take this passage and make it that. They want to put those against each other and say, see, look, Jesus was about faith in God and the disciples were about practical wisdom. And so there's a big conflict there. And so um, you need to go with the faith in God and completely forget practical wisdom. Well, that's not what this passage is teaching at all. The really, the key here is not those two against each other, but it's the fact of obedience to Jesus. The reason that the faith is so important is because of the fact that Jesus told them, you feed them. That is the, is the key component of this passage in understanding for a follower of Christ. So when Jesus says, you do this, then you need to say, yes. I'm in. I will do this. I don't know how in the world I'm going to do this. I have no physical ability to do this. There is no way in the world from my practical wisdom standpoint that this is even possible. But I know that Jesus is telling me, you do this. And so, yes, however you want to do this, Lord, I'm in. Because Jesus is able to do it. And so if he calls you to do something, he's going to give you the power and the ability to do it. But what that also means is when Jesus isn't calling you to do it, don't try it. Because when you when you say, "Well, I just I really want to do this," you know, like right now, I think it'd be pretty cool to walk on water across the Okanagan, right? Like Jesus, he walked on water. Do I believe, do I have faith that he would, um, that he is able to allow me to walk on water across the Okanagan? Yes. I believe that he can empower me to do that. However, he has not called me to do that. And so what will probably happen if I go down there and I start trying to walk across the lake is I'm going to end up swimming with Ogopogo, okay? And so, um, so yeah, uh, that would be the opposite. So, 
we, we, we need to listen to our practical wisdom. We don't need to give the disciples too hard of a time here. The only place where they went wrong was not listening when Jesus told them to do something. That's where they went wrong. And so we need to listen when Jesus tells us. And we also need to have practical wisdom that guides our lives as well. The two go together. They're not against each other. And so um, the people actually kind of liked getting fed. Does anybody when you're hungry like to be fed? Anybody in the parade yesterday, I really enjoy some water afterwards, right? Yeah, and so they decided, hey, we're just going to keep following Jesus. He's feeding. We like eating. This is a good, good relationship. And actually over in John, in John's account of this, like I said, it's in all four Gospels. But in John chapter 6, John talks about what happened here. And uh, in verses um, 26 and 27, he talks to this crowd that has followed him the next morning. So they, they just had dinner, and they're like, hey, what's for breakfast? You know, we're having French to- toast tomorrow. Let's go. What is this? Um, and Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So what Jesus is telling them is, hey, that was just a sign. What does a sign do? A sign points you to the thing. The sign is not the thing. The sign points you to the thing. And Jesus is saying, when I, when I fed you, that was a sign to point you to who I am. And to the reality of the gospel, of the fact that you need a Savior. That you're a people who cannot do it on your own, and you need a God who will save you and will forgive you. And he, so he tells them the next morning, they come looking for breakfast, and he says, no breakfast. You're like, well, wait, was he not, was he not able anymore? Well, yeah, he was fully able still. But that wasn't his plan at that time. And so he didn't choose to multiply food at that point to feed all of these people once again. Instead, he took it as an opportunity to point them back to the message he was trying to get across in the first place. Of the fact that you might have a physical need, but your real need is your spiritual need. Your real need is not just for bread to fuel your body, but it's for the ultimate bread of life. And he says, I am that bread. I am the bread of life. I am the one who can fully sustain you, who can, who can fully meet your needs. And you see, and that's what we're here as a church to do. We're just a sign pointing people to him. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about what he can do in us. And it all points to the gospel. And the gospel is just a word that means the good news. And the good news about Jesus is the fact that he came and he lived as a man, even though he was the son of God. He took on human flesh, lived as a man, and yet he never sinned. He never broke God's law one time. He never did anything against God's will. He was fully obedient to the Father in every step of the way. 
And yet, he paid the punishment for sin by dying on a cross, by laying down his life and paying that price. And in that price he paid, he offers us, and he says, hey, I will pay the price for you. I will pay the price that you owe to God for the ways that you have done wrong, and I will forgive you. I will make you right with me and with God by the price that I have already paid. And he is fully sufficient to do that. Feeding 5,000 people was nothing. He said, I'm going to spiritually feed all those who are mine through all eternity. And so we might look at passages like this and we think, well, hmm, free food? That sounds good. Let's be like that crowd. Let's follow Jesus. Free food. But in reality, what it's about is so much more. So, so much more. Rachel was uh, telling me about somebody she met this week, um, or maybe it was last week, that was telling her that, uh, you know, I really, I tried out that Christianity thing. Um, I was told that it was going to make me happy, um, and I tried it for a while, and it didn't make me happy. And so now I went the other way. And so I, 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 I'm kind of doing the Wiccan thing now. Um, was that about right, Rachel? A, a brief summary of your conversation? And that's where we as Christians do a great disservice to people. It's if we tell them, hey, come to Jesus, he'll make you happy. Basically what we're saying if we say that is, hey, if you come to Jesus, he's got a lot of bread, right? He can feed 5,000 people. He'll feed you too. Come be fed. When in reality, what we need to say is, come to Jesus. He can forgive you for eternity. He can make you right with God for all of eternity. It's something that lasts far beyond this life. It's about a lot more than being happy now. It's about being fulfilled in him and who he is in us. Because he does the amazing work of salvation in our lives. And when he does that, you know what comes with it? The joy of the Lord. Which surpasses all understanding. That's not what we, we lead people to. That's the byproduct. So we're the sign that points them to Christ. Christ is the one that changes their life. And then they get the overbund, overflowing abundance of rewards that he bestows upon us in this life. But if you're here and you're checking out the, the Jesus thing, I'd encourage you, if you decide to follow Jesus, there will be times where it's very hard. There will be times where it hurts. There will be times where um, your friends, family might make fun of you. They might shun you. Um, there will be times where you felt, feel excluded. There will be times when it's not easy. But I'll tell you, it is far worth it. Because what he gives you far surpasses any of those things. And having assurance of God for the rest of your life and into eternity is the greatest news you could ever have. It's the greatest gift he could ever give us. And all that other stuff pales in comparison. And so I encourage you, if you're here today and you're checking out this Jesus thing, he is worth it. He is so worth it.
He will, he will do things in your life that you just can't even explain. And so I encourage you to give your life to Him. Like we said before, there were 12 disciples, 12 baskets left over. It's a big coincidence, right? I don't think so. Because you see, for those who belong to Jesus, He meets their needs and so much more. When you're a follower of Christ and you're walking in obedience to Him, He's going to take care of what you need. He's proven this to me over and over and over again in my life. Because what, what is expected of me is obedience. Whether that's pack up your family and move to Canada, or whether that's, hey, go do some menial tasks down in the community. What he expects is obedience. And then he takes care of the rest. Because he is fully able and fully sufficient to do so. In the same way that he can feed 5,000 or 15,000 people and have 12 baskets full left over, and he just starts with five loaves and two fish. If he can do that, I'm pretty sure he can take care of me and my family. And he does over and over and over again. He is so faithful, and he is so, so good. And so maybe today, there's something that you're a believer, and you're here. There's something that God's been working on you. And you feel Jesus leading you in a certain direction. And you've been hesitant. The practical wisdom size says, no, the practical wisdom side says, I can't do that. Or, but what about this? Or what about that? I want to encourage you. Obedience to Christ is what is most important and he's going to take care of everything you need to do it. You might be here, and you've been, you've been with us for a little bit, and you've been checking out this Jesus thing, and something's been holding you back. Maybe you think, man, I know Wayne says that, that Jesus forgives sins, but he didn't know my list. You know, like, like I've, I got a pretty big list. You know, I don't know, I don't know if Jesus can handle that. He's fully able to handle that. He's your creator. He can take care of anything. Whatever you have done, he can forgive you. He is fully able. So come to him. He might not make it all easy, but he makes it all worth it. And he provides you with a joy that carries you through that hard times. that just can't be explained any other way. And so, in closing, I just want to encourage you to follow the Lord, to be obedient to Christ and how he's leading you in your life. And whatever he's leading you to do, he's going to give you the ability and the power to do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for what you've done for us. Lord, I pray for anyone here um, who does not yet have the assurance of salvation, of faith in you. Lord, I pray that you'll come to them today and draw them to yourself, that your Holy Spirit will work in their lives and bring them to a knowledge of faith, bring them to salvation. 
Lord, I pray that that might happen right in this moment. That they might simply pray to you, asking you to be their Lord and Savior, acknowledging the truth of the gospel, the fact that you came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, paying the punishment for sin, and rose from the dead, proving that you had defeated not only death, but the sin that, re- that requires it. And that you offer um, that freedom to us. Lord, for anyone here today who needs that, I pray that you will lead them in that direction this morning. For those of us who know you, maybe we've known you for a very long time, but we haven't been walking in obedience to you. Lord, help us. Draw us back. Draw us back into obedience. Draw us back into a faithful relationship with you where we glorify you in the way that we live our lives and we point others to you so that we might see here in our town, in our community, in our region of the world, thousands of people coming to check out you and the truth of your gospel. Lord, we know that you're able. We know that you can do that. We pray that you will. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.